and welcome to the NBS News with your hosts, Josh Simpson and Ian Savage. All right. Well, it is uh, NBS News. <laughs> As everybody, I feel like, did you just have like a, like a mental lapse? So you're like, all right, well. And now I don't know what to say. So <laughs> well, we are done. <laughs> frankly, I mean, we've had a lot of fun technological hiccups as uh, as we've gone through the years in, in this podcast. And, and video always seems to give us one of those hiccups. I, I'm sure you can attest to that, Josh. So, um, today, to be it, honest, I kind of forgot we were on video because I'm sitting here like this, like just staring. <laughs> just staring <laughs> in, into the void. Yeah, yeah I know. Sometimes yeah. I have to make the conscious decision to actually look at the camera. Hello, everyone. Today is the 20th of September, 2020. It still feels like March a little bit. I know it's a dead joke. It's a dead joke. I should stop using it, but it, does still feel like March a little bit, especially because, you know, fall is rolling around. So it, it almost has a spring feeling. Regardless, my name is Ian Savage, and I'm I'm welcomed uh, by my uh, beloved co-host, <laughs> Shaw Simpson. Sorry, I couldn't say that with a straight face. Uh, but, you know, we, we are here today to bring you another MBS news as we do every other week uh, on the show. But before we get started, Josh, I know you wanted to sort of talk about our, you know, not just our schedules, but sort of this, uh, you know, alluding to some of the technological hiccups we've been having and sure i'll try to make it i'll try to make it quick though too because i you know i I know i we thought about possibly doing this as like a housekeeping thing before the episode but i figured let's just kind of get this out of the way right before we get things started here so the the first things first is like as ian has alluded in past episodes for those that don't know um i just started a master's program which has been a lot of fun and also stressful i feel like i've kind of like hit the ground running with a sprint and We've had a few things when it comes to, you know, with with Ian having to move and for us trying to figure out this whole digital recording realm. You know, I funny enough, like, I'll be honest, I'm an idiot and I accidentally spilt wine, a little bit of wine in my new laptop and and the webcam wasn't working and like one of the lightning C cords wasn't working. And and it's just uh, we've (laughs) and we've constantly just been having these different challenges when it comes to audio quality and and things that we kind of want to accomplish. And so, you know, we have found ways with certain programs to help us kind of quicken the the editing process, because I know that Ian and myself are both busy with with life um, and everything else that's going on. And, and you know, hopefully with. Yeah, I know. And hopefully with me in this master's program, it's going to lead me down a pathway to a career that gives me more life balance. However, for now, I just wanted to thank our listeners for knowing that I understand that some of our episodes may not have the best audio quality that you're used to, especially when Ian and I used to be able to record in the same room together, you know, anything like that. But, you know, we know that it's not garbage, but we also know that it's not a hundred percent up to what we sure. used to do. The content's garbage, absolutely. But the quality is, you know, mediocre, <laughs> sometimes better than best. <laughs> <laughs> and I know that Ian, you've sounded rough in a few episodes, you know, outside of myself. So we just want to thank listeners. I know we don't sound as you know good as we used to, but we still want to do this. We still want to get content out and we still kind of want to have fun just just doing this podcast. And so I just wanted to thank you for bearing with us. And also, uh, that is the precursor to the allude of the fact that this is going to be more of a quick NBS News segment and kind of have much more of a discussion base for Ian and myself and, uh, you know, not as 
kind of traditional blah, 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 blah. And we also know that we've done a few episodes where we've talked for two and a half hours upwards. And uh, and our big episode coming up, our Last of Us episode, is going to be a, a doozy. So we figured we might do you a favor and give you a, a quicker episode or a more easily like limited digestible episode before we uh, release that honker. Yeah, definitely. This this episode of NBS News will be a little bit more digestible. As I uh, alluded to and promised in our uh, Bullshit Boulevard uh, our third one that we did, I, I believe, last week, um, our NBS or sorry, our Last of Us episode is going to be the next one coming out, and so definitely prepare for that. But I guess all things aside, I you know I will say though, uh, we like Josh was saying, we we've definitely been trying to keep up the quality as best as we can. So we're trying to make these you know small little innovations here. That's why we're using uh, ZenCaster, for example. If we're not sponsored by them, but I will shout them out because they've been <laughs> a huge blessing for me specifically because Josh has been constantly down my ass about uh, audio quality and uh, ZenCaster has been a, a, a wonderful program, online software to use uh, when it comes to recording and now they have video and so I highly recommend them. Moving on, Josh, if there's no other preamble that you want to uh, get into here, I think, you know, as Josh was saying here, there's one big thing that we sort of wanted to talk about tonight, and that has to do with the death of the Supreme Court justice on the 18th. Yeah, that was, let's see, what day was that? That was Friday uh, of this yes, month. Yes, I don't mean to interrupt you, but there's <laughs> one more thing. There's one thing I want to talk. No, there's one thing I want to talk right about. Right on the heels. Before- right on my heels. Yep. I just wanted to wait there before we get into this, you know, this kind of more somber and sadness topic of of the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I really want to talk about this. Uh, this is a story I heard. So I, I had a, somebody that I, I I know who happens to know this person. He made national news, so I figured this is in BS news. So it's best that we oh, can gosh, bring this up. Yeah, and I think better, it's, then. so. This is this is going to be kind of a, know, a springing on yeah. me now. Yeah, this is going to be kind of a, a the lighter side of this before we kind of get into some more heavier stuff and the implications of what it means to lose a Supreme Court justice at this time. But so there is a gentleman, and I don't know his name, um, so I apologize for that. But we'll we'll have it in the show notes. The, what I do know is that he essentially was caught in the wildfires and uh, that that are happening here in our local area in the in the Springfield Eugene region, and he survived by going into the middle of a river and with a plastic chair like outside chair and beer (laughs) so i figured like this is kind of a great so i know somebody that knows him and apparently what had happened was is that he heard a tree fall he went outside of his house parents like oh shit the whole forest is on fire this is not good so then he (laughs) takes his car and he starts to drive apparently he gets a flat tire and so when he gets a flat tire, he just decides, you know what, I'm going to start following the riverbank. And as the, you know, the, the fumes are getting bad, he's kind of putting his shirt up. Apparently walking along the riverbank, he found like this plastic chair, use that to, to shield the embers that are coming down from the fire. He gets into the middle of like middle of the fire. Uh, so middle of the river, just to avoid the fire and all the falling stuff. And, and as he's walking, he kind of on the bank there a little bit, he sees like a case of beer. And he thought, what are the odds that there's beer in there? And so he opened it up and it turns out there was one rolling rock left in that case. And so he grabbed that beer of course and then I guess, yep, he lost his glasses because he slipped. Long story short, he sat on like a like a, a log that was that was outside of the water with this this plastic chair over his head, catching the embers, drinking a rolling rock. And he sat there from 9 p.m. to 7 a.m. And 
when it was like clear enough, he walked up a little bit. Apparently, he got back to his car. His car was fine. It had survived through the fire wherever it was parked. He changed the flat tire that he initially had, and then he drove to Bymart to get himself some new glasses that he lost. <laughs> and and apparently, this guy has always been calm as a cucumber. But the most important part of this story is that Rolling Rock not only um, reached out to him and and posted some of the stuff on their Twitter page, but they're actually going to send him a bunch of beer uh, because they, they they were enamored that during the middle of a fire that he decided to sit down and have a rolling rock. Yeah, I guess that's one way to deal with raging forest fires, I suppose. I mean, because going into a river is not a bad idea at all, right? And trying to follow the river and trying to escape or from wherever you're at, you know, because at least you can be near water. Uh, and if anything, if yours catches fire, you can always just dunk yourself. Um, yeah, that's that's uh, that's interesting, Josh. I'm glad you decided to start with that. Um, I just thought, <laughs> I was like, you know what? That was just a wild story that I heard today, and I just had to share it because, you know, I just – I. I don't know. I'm just be, in awe of somebody who can stay so calm and just you know follow that directive of yeah, I'm just gonna <laughs> sit here and drink a beer and you know and wait just it out. oh god. To be uh, fair, I, yeah. I think you know the fires. You know, uh, as far as uh, national coverage, I mean, we've been getting a lot of news, not just us, but uh, but California as well. And mm -hmm. frankly, uh, it's been it's been kind of horrid of the last few weeks and trying to go outside just and be into the smoke. I know, oh, yeah. I know your business was shut down for quite some time. I was unfortunately mm -hmm. had to work through it, but luckily this weekend we did have some rains come through the area. And so that helped quite a bit. I'm hoping they help with the fire uh, containment as well, but um, yeah, I'm starting to get really sick of it. You know, like it was frankly on, uh, on Friday when the, when the rains uh, came a little bit and I was actually able to see some clouds. I was like, I couldn't help but stare at them. Because it's like, oh God, I I felt like I haven't seen these in in weeks or months almost, and so it was a, it was a nice or refreshing moment, I should say. Right, it's starting to rain and and you know kind of helping with the fires and all that. But that's just a little funny story that happened, and I thought it was amusing that I wanted to share with listeners because that's this is kind of a wild and fantastical story. Um, however, <laughs> it definitely speaks Ian, to uh, the wild and fantastical nature of what's going on in our modern politics. Would you agree? <laughs> Oh, that is a beautiful transition. I was there? just going to try to find a way to like give. Yeah, I, I totally see what you did there. So why don't you kind of uh, take us into the kind of the main focus of, of what you and I wanted to talk about tonight, because it's huge. Yeah. And the implications are interesting and, and it deals with historical implications and and, you know, the fact that the election is is right around the damn corner. Yeah. So really, really. I mean, it's right. It's next door, practically. <laughs> uh, speaking, speaking of the death of a fire, as Josh and I both were alluding to, I'm sorry, that's a bad joke. Um, so the death of Ruth, Gator, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg uh, was just uh, earlier this weekend on Friday night or during the day. Who knows? And, um, you know, she was a Supreme Court justice from it was like a God, I can't remember how long she was a Supreme Court justice. I'm looking it up right now. I think it was in 1994, right? It was in 1994. 93, she was... 93. That's right. 93. Yeah. Damn it. It was one year. It was, uh, it was uh, Bill Clinton that um, nominated her, I believe, and, and inducted her into the Supreme Court. Yeah. So this is this is big news. You know, another Supreme Court uh, either dying or, or or retiring. So as in, in recent history, people remember that uh, Ant, uh, Ant, was it Anthony or Anthony Scalia? I can't, I can't remember how he his name was uh, was said or pronounced, but he died back in I believe it was 2015 or 2016, and then um, uh, God was the, the Anthony Kennedy 
was it Anthony Kennedy? I can't remember. God, I was literally just looking these up. But the uh, Supreme Court Justice Kennedy retired uh, in mm-hmm. 2017 or 2018. And so – the reason why these are important is because the Trump administration has been able to put in, nominate rather, uh, two justices, namely uh, Neil Gorsuch and uh, Brett Kavanaugh. With Brett Kavanaugh, we've speak, we've spoken of uh, quite a bit. Well, and obviously, that. that that's the most. And I think too, you know, what's interesting too, because I think with 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 RBG, the thing that with her passing, it, it really just kind of lays this this heaviness because of the stuff that we we kind of went through with Brent Kavanaugh and that whole yeah. you know and I, I think too you know correct me if I'm wrong and this may be anecdotal in my experience but a lot for me personally too I didn't really never caught up with what's what the Supreme Court did or who was on the Supreme Court but when the Kavanaugh hearings were going on you know it was just it was it was so much in the ethos of our culture that I I it was like, huh, you know, I never really thought about Supreme Court justice. This is something that I might want to pay attention mm-hmm. to or, you know, be aware of what's going on because they do make pivotal decisions and, oh, and what we consider right or wrong. Yeah, I mean, you know, some of the more famous uh, decisions that the Supreme Court has has uh, deliberated on is something like Roe v. Wade, right, when, when it comes to abortion rights yeah. and then obviously um, gay marriage back in – God, how long ago was gay marriage? That was in 2015? God, am I, yeah, that was only five years ago when gay marriage was deemed uh, legal, you know, uh, legally binding. Right. Or even going back with, you know, civil rights stuff, you have Brown versus Board of sure. Education, yeah. you know, like these, these pivotal, pivotal cases. Yeah. That have kind of staple and, and set to either, you know, growth or, you know, lack of growth. Yeah. But the big thing, you know, you were talking about Kavanaugh and being a pivotal moment for you and your understanding of the, of the importance of the Supreme Court. For me, it was definitely during... Uh, when when Neil before Neil Gorsuch was uh, nominated by the Trump administration, it was during Obama's administration actually when he nominated uh, Eric Gar- was it Eric Merrick Merrick Garland uh, after the death Merrick of, Garland, of yeah. Justice Scalia uh, back in 2015 or 2016, and that whole fiasco was brought to light because Mitch McConnell and the GOP pushed nomination hearings for 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 Merrick Garland because they deemed it as like oh you know maybe we shouldn't be having a supreme court nomination during an election year and he used some biden rule i, I believe from 19 uh, for 1992 and so there was obviously yeah. uproar from the democrats and then you know they didn't get their nomination and then trump was able to push uh neil gorsuch through yeah but look at the but look at the crux of this. so look at the crux of that though so the first thing you have to point out is that now, when Mitch McConnell made that kind of argument, that was 10 months before the election. Yeah. So that's one thing to that's true. the time frame yeah. of, of how close. So that was 10 months. Here we are, like almost less than a month. Yeah. You know, and so the difference is there. Secondly, you know, as a lot of Republicans, you know, that supported that Ted Cruz in particular back, you know, back in you know, when we were talking about Obama, that they had said that it had been 80 years since the Supreme Court justice was like, was picked in an election year and the premise or the concept uh, behind that is to, is to give voice to the American people, you know, and as Biden had just said Somehow, in one of his yeah. speeches, just, just a couple of days ago, well, they were kind of say this, like, you know, Biden, I will give him a little bit of credit because in his speech, he essentially said that what he means by the American people is that if the election happens and Trump is president, then he would have enough time to vet a proper candidate and get somebody in if he was elected president, 
then it would be up to him to vet and do Very that. True. And it's yeah. the, the, the election choice of who is president based on what kind of Supreme Court justice we would want. And, you know, there's there's a- elements of that that I, that kind of make sense. I don't know. Ian, is that like does that seem like a fair kind of logical understanding of, of that yeah, reasoning I, for not doing I, it? I in think, the election you know, I, I think you're, I think you're absolutely right there. And I, I believe that's why the sentiment, especially around, uh, you know, the 2016 uh, nomination of, of Merrick Garland versus Neil Gorsuch. That's why that was such an important moment, because like, look, Obama, you know, he's in his last year. Like, yeah, you know, like because he's in his last year like how much more can he really do but the nomination of a of a specific supreme court justice has lasting effects because they have tenure for life right until they die or yeah. retire which is a little bit weird <laughs> frankly um but, you know but that is just the law of the land and that's the way we've been doing things for a long time so not that we shouldn't question it but you know that's just how it is and so when he nominated merrick garland and not, that obviously didn't get pushed through until trump's administration and then obviously mm-hmm. with trump uh with the gop rather having a uh a majority i because I, I believe it's the senate right that that hosts the that approves the nomination mm-hmm. right so with the senate having a, a majority in the gop or vice versa, rather, um, then they were able to pick uh, Trump's nomination, Neil Gorsuch, right? And so because Trump picks a certain person because of whatever character or, or you know, historical uh, legal presence, you know, on, on, on the sphere here, then like that, that those have lasting effects, especially since, you know, the, the Supreme Court over the last gosh, I don't know, 20 years has definitely had a uh, largely conservative flair to it. So that can obviously bring up um, some tensions between, you know, between the left and the right. And so with Ruth Gator, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, excuse me, uh, dying this weekend, that obviously has some intense connotations when it comes to setting the tone for quite a long time in the Supreme Court. Now, the irony here, I believe, you know, we talked about this on the podcast previously, but uh, in recent months, I believe it was in June, there was a recent decision by the Supreme Court to uphold certain uh, sexual uh, discrimination and sexual orientation uh, rights within the workplace by the Supreme Court. And it was actually Brett Kavanaugh who had the sort of uh, final say on it and was actually it was actually a pivotal moment in support of LGBTQ plus rights, which is interesting, you know, because uh, Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh came from the Trump administration. So you wouldn't think that, oh, maybe he picked these conservative people to to further conservative values. But obviously that didn't pan out in the way that they were seeing things. So with a potential, you know, and it's difficult, too, because like to be devil's advocate in the room, who knew if that was a tactical decision from Kavanaugh, just understanding sure. the scrutiny of, you know, and I understand that, like, you know, because that was essentially the a lot of the GOP's argument for Kavanaugh was like, you're ruining this man's life or you're, you know, you're putting him in a position of of being tainted. And so trying to kind of uh, facilitate your image you know, might be kind of a thing. Now I'm not trying to put words in his mouth or saying that's why he did that, but you know, that's an interesting point. However, there's, there's two things here that I kind of want your opinion on when it comes to this, before we get down to the, to the breakdown here. The first thing is it Ruth, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I'm just going to start calling her RBG because you know, we, we love acronyms and it's hard to say that, but but with RBG, she, she was the defining vote for not get repealing the uh, affordable care act. Sure. So a, 
like that is what a lot of people are daunted about because if she was the one that held the roots on the Affordable Care Act, what's going to happen if we replace that? And two, I think what's interesting is the argument of Obama being in his last year. So there was no chance for reelection via with Trump being in his first term. So it could be there's a chance for reelection. Exactly. So the, the, what I'm thinking, (laughs) well, we're not going to go that this is, but the the thing is though, is the thing that I'm most curious about is like, do you think that that's going to be used as a, as a differing factor? Because that's the only real thing here. That's, kind of different from from when when the GOP did it to Obama to what's happening now is that fact that it was his final year versus the chance of another four. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's a good question. I do think that the no no matter what, it could be in his first year or could it be in his last year or first term or last term. I think the Democrats are going to push back as hard as they can because it is Trump, right? So, I mean, this was uh, probably two days ago. Maybe it was on Friday. I can't remember. But Pelosi uh, gave an interview on uh, from Anthony Scaramucci. I, I think he's on CNN or Fox News. You know, don't call me on that. I don't know. Uh, but she was, but she was <laughs> saying that. I mean, they're going to use basically. In, you know, this is me paraphrasing, but they're going to use everything in their power to make sure that Trump doesn't nominate. Uh, someone or rather that whomever uh, he nominates, they're going to make sure that that doesn't go through. Right. They're going to push back as hard as they can. I think she used the phrase like we're going to use every arrow in our quiver, which is I don't know who fucking uses that. But um, the the point of the matter is, is that the Democrats are are obviously not happy that Trump gets to pick someone for the Supreme Court. Obviously, it does have to go through the Senate trials. But uh, with Pelosi being the um, Senate uh, minority speaker, I believe. Um, then they're going to have significant pushback on this. And I, you know, it's funny. I was talking to my wife about this on Friday because, you know, it's funny. I actually didn't know that uh, Gator Bader Ginsburg had died um, for several hours until like I got home from work and I was like, oh, hey, did you know that she died? And everybody in the house was like, yeah, like we heard about this hours ago. I was like, oh, fuck, but, you know, and so I told my wife that I'm like, you know, probably the best thing that Democrats could do you know, as the Democratic Party is do the same shit that the GOP did, you know, and just play the same hand and play the same card. You know, it's not going to make them look good, but this is going to be, I feel like one of the better tactics for them. And, you know, my wife retorted to me, which I thought was funny. She's like, no, it's going to make them look terrible. I'm like, yeah, I made the GOP look terrible as well. And they got what they fucking wanted. You know, and interesting, but yeah, but at the same time, the the rules are different though. Like if you had to, like, if you legitimately had to understand that, that outlay, you have to look at the context of the situation. Who's trying to put somebody on and who's trying to stop that. So it's like the reason why this time around may not be as, as I don't know, as damaging of, I mean, and, and who knows? Like, uh, there's there already huge distrust of the government in general overall. And I don't know there's a lot of people about. that are saying that. <laughs> are you kidding me? Like, you're the proponent of that, but a lot of people, a lot of people that tried to, <laughs> I guess, tried to reason their way of how Trump became president. You know, a lot of it has to deal with this. You know, like we've we've said this on the podcast several times. I don't know if it was David Hume that said this. I think it was David Hume or David Frum. Um, but basically said that Trump was the right, you know, the, the wrong answer to the right question, you know, is, is the way that he looked at it. Yeah, that'd be but David Frum. Th- the thing is, right. Yeah. So the thing is, is that it, it's it's curious to me because it's not that they can use the same tactic. They can already say that, look at the tactic that they used. 
And if they're not going to follow that tactic, then they're hypocrites. So you can almost take the approach of trying to, which I've already seen some of that, of trying to discredit like the fact that they want to to speed somebody up so fast. Mm-hmm. As Mitch McConnell had already said, he wants to jump on this process. And you can almost basically call out the fact that like it's it's a blatant abuse of power and it's not just an abuse of power of trying to say that trump is abusing power because as we've learned trump has this magical aura around him that no matter what he does nobody is going to <laughs> to sway their opinion of him it's that true. already follows he him. could shoot somebody on fifth avenue but, as he said and nobody would care right but uh, you know because he's already said some weird shit i mean he's already spouted stuff about like biden takes performance enhancement stuff <laughs> you know to, for before his speeches <laughs> You know, or, you know, and, and, and I know that you don't follow a lot of what Trump says, but, you know, the other day he's like, I might sign an executive. So basically, again, people take this way overboard because he what I feel is like when he has his rallies, you know, he's just like he just gets in that, you know, amped up mood. Totally and I think improv, in one right? of his rallies, he goes, we, exactly like and he's admitted that he doesn't use teleprompters most of the time. So, like, for me, I'm not going to take what he says seriously. But when he's riffing and he's ranting and he makes a comment where he's like, you know, I he's talking about Biden. He's like, this man can't be president. I might sign an executive order. Who knows? You know, and I know that he's just doing he's that just to kind it. of like yeah. ramp up stuff. Of course, he's just saying it. It's meaningless words. However, people are running with that. And but my only breakdown, why I'm trying to make this obvious is because I don't think that the Republican Party has the same teflon like weird orange teflon that trump <laughs> sure. has yeah no i i i think you're i think you're right i don't know if you, how much more you wanted to say on that but i mean i think that certainly the democrats are are playing a different game here and and for a long time especially especially when the nomination of mayor garland was put forth by obama and the the sort of dirty game that the gop was playing it's just like are the democrats really just gonna let this fucking slide okay they just let it they just had no they chose to take no i mean like i didn't i don't want to say like chose to take no action obviously they didn't want to let that stand but they you know, they, there was nothing they could do about it. And frankly, the way the Democrats have been playing this political game for such a long time, it's almost like they've been playing nice and trying to play by the rules and get upset every time the GOP doesn't play by the rules. And yet they just like, well, slap on the wrists. Um, like, we really don't like you guys. You know, it's like, yeah, like they're going to keep doing the same shit if you if you don't soup to their level. I know that sounds like really cynical, you know, especially in our modern political setting here. But. I don't know. Like if you want to get shit done in government, sometimes you got to play like a child. And I think frankly, the Democrats have to do like, yeah, I get that. You know, I'm, I just want to push back on that a little bit. I mean, this might be slippery slope on, on my side here, but I feel like that there's a dangerous risk with that mentality because it's just going to get lower and lower. I feel like it's a, it's a downward spiral where if like, if you're saying that if I have to do these weird tactics in order to get my job done, then I got to do that. Well, then if you're doing that, then I'm going to do this. It's just going to continue to to degrade. You're not wrong. You're not wrong about that at all. And and frankly, I mean, that's why it, it's tough. You know, it, it puts the Democrats specifically in a tough position, you know, because any any option that they put forth or any tactic that they try to proceed with when it comes to just the the Supreme Court nomination uh, anything that they do, I feel like is going to be damning for them because, for, you know, first of all, this is, you know, I think one of the interesting things about this is that Trump said that he's going to nominate a woman as Supreme Court justice and that he's going to put it forth within the next week. So there's that 
side of things where, you know, like what woman is going to be good enough for the Democrats? You know, are they going to be satisfied um, if he puts forward a woman? Obviously, he's probably just blowing smoke up the, of the up everybody's ass, but we'll see, you know, who he nominates. The other side of things here is that I, you know, again, I, I'm conflicted here because while I completely agree with you that the the actions, the potential actions of the Democrats and stooping to the level of the GOP is obviously not political suicide, but it is just falling into the same trappings that the GOP has for a long time. And it is a kind of political nihilism that I feel like that we're not going to be able to come back from, uh, from the brink. Uh, but at the same time, I also feel like that, that we are so far over the brink here that I don't know what other tactic would necessarily work for the Democrats because even though in 2018 we had their sort of famous blue wave, if you, if you recall, you know, we get the, you know, like people sure. like AOC and her fellow squad. You're talking about the midterm yeah, elections, yeah, in like the blue yeah. wave and the yeah, midterms. You know, people yeah. like AOC and yeah. the squad were able to, you know, to take uh, traditionally um, red seats away and were able to gain blue seats. You know, even though we had that and it was a, it was a certainly interesting turn for the Democrats. I do think that, we are going down this path of just pure craziness. And I think that with, you know, with RBG dying, um, that is just another cherry on top of these countless cherries of 20 of 2020. And I, I, again, I I just feel like there's no winning strategy almost like, yes, you know, they could, you know, as I'm suggesting, they could stoop to the the same level that the GOP is doing, but they're just going to alienate more of their voters, right? I, I think you would agree. Well, I have a question. I have a question while I'm getting more beer. Um, my question to you is real quick. Hold on. Okay. I had to do that. Well, we're in video now. And I know that for those of you, for those of you that are just listening to us and have no idea what we're doing, hop on our YouTube page. <laughs> hey, Rep, please. See that you want to see my pretty bald head and, and Ian's ugly face. And then to, to be fair, Josh and Josh's beard is a lot better than mine. It's, it's way less patchy and it's uh it's, it's coming in full, right? It's that nice corn. Yeah, it beard. is. I, I definitely, <laughs> I was definitely working on that, but no, I, I just think that like, what, Please tell me when you when you say things like stoop the, for the Democrats to stoop to the level of the Republicans, you know, especially to if we're if we're talking about the, the you know how, <laughs> yeah, and Mitch McConnell's almost again like uh, how do you like it's like that that scene and for those of you that are Harry Potter fans that scene in the Sorcerer's Stone where you know the Ollivander the wand maker is talking about uh, Voldemort. What does he say? He goes like terrible things, but wonderful or not wonderful things like uh, brilliant or something. It's like terrible thing, like terrible, terrible, but like fantastic things. So it's like the fact that they were able to stop a nomination 10 months before the election, 10 months, you know, and now they're trying to push one through in less than a month. You know, it almost feels like they have dug their own grave in a sense of, of showing that what they were doing, and this is what I meant by the Republican party, not having as much Teflon or, or strong stuff as Trump, because Trump's base already distrusts the government and thinks that Trump is there to fix things you know, or change things. So they've already kind of had this weird separation with Trump and the government. And now if the, if, if the Republicans do this, then it's, it's a blatant example of the Republican party in its whole, in its whole entirety of, of trying to hold on to power and not let go of that power, not let it be a decision. So my question to you is what is an example of something the Democrats could do to stoop to a similar level that they did with Obama? 
Yeah, I mean, I I think it's a few things, right? They, they could do, you know, the the problem is that I don't, you know, they the Democrats don't have a Senate majority, right? At least as far as I'm as far as I'm remembering, right? So they can't, they don't, right. they don't have the same push that the that the GOP had in uh, in 2016 to hold off on Merrick Garland's hearings. So so they don't have that edge. However something that Nancy Pelosi has said that like they want to use the impeachment as a potential, um, you know, as a potential wall to any progress being, uh, being taken place here. And I don't know if she is suggesting that they open another impeachment inquiry into either hampering down the elections or, or something of that nature. Um, but I just think that, for the Democrats, okay, maybe maybe I should define my terms here. When it comes to stooping to the level of the GOP, I don't necessarily think that stooping to the level of the GOP is necessarily taking. No, actually, I'm gonna, I'm not going to stop you real what? quick. I don't want to interrupt you because I don't want to get your definition. But you're kind of on to something here, and I kind of want to like bounce with you. This kind of just came into my head. I think I, I think I kind of see what you're saying because I've also saw this idea of. You know, this 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 article, I think, where it said Trump or or the Republican Party is upset that Pelosi doesn't want to take impeachment mm-hmm. off the table because apparently impeachment would be used for the abuse of power. You know, essentially stating that if the Republican Party had stated that you never elect uh, a Supreme Court justice in an election year and they do that because they're in power. You know, if they prevented the, the Democrats from doing that when they exactly. held power, then that is an abuse yeah. of power. And if they start an, another impeachment inquiry not only would that derail or stall them trying to nominate somebody, but the Democrats already know that that's not going to make it through the Senate. So if you know that it's not going to make it through the Senate, you're only really opening one up to stall. No, the I th- yeah, I, th- I think you're absolutely right here. And thank you for, for butting in, because I think what you, what you said there really hits the nail on the head and the potential that the Democrats have for, again, when I say stooping, I don't necessarily mean taking the same type of tactics, obviously something like that, installing mm-hmm. the process of what's going on is very similar to what the GOP did back in 2016, when it comes to Merrick Garland, and then the eventual nomination of, of Neil Gorsuch. But the fact that they will did would do anything in their power to make sure nothing goes through the impeachment inquiry with the abuse of power, I think is exactly this type the type of thing that Nancy Pelosi has in mind because like you said, what it, what it would do is that it wouldn't get passed. You know, there wouldn't be, you know, there's no way that I don't even think there would be a, another actual, you know, maybe there would be more impeachment hearings within the next, you know, month, I doubt it. But even if they were, there was no way an impeachment, an impeachment would get approved in the, uh, in the house of representatives. And so with that in mind, Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats, if they tried to go that route, it would just be like, Hey, you know, we can stall this up and try to forgo anything from happening before the election. But in doing so, not only would it stall it as we've, as we've been saying, but their entire, you know, the entire Republican base, and I'm not just talking about Trump's base, but I think their entire Republican base would obviously see through that sort of facade, you know, within, you know, within this time frame that we have here between now and the election, they would see through, through this facade and maybe push back the other way. And again, further Trump's possibilities of winning in 2020 and at the end of this year. 
Yeah, but at the same time, though, it, it also puts if that were, you know, if we're talking about a theoretical situation here where the Democrats decide to just hold an impeachment trial for abuse of power, especially if there's a, you know, because as you said, they're trying to pass this through the Senate, which they're still trying to work on a coronavirus relief bill. Because if those of us that have forgot, we're still in the middle of a pandemic, pandemic going on. Here, you know, but. Right. So it's like, you know, we're stalling on this coronavirus relief bill because we're still trying to fighting over over what's right and what's wrong within this bill. So if he surpasses that, pushes this forward, and then the Democrats decide, you know what, that's abuse of power, we're going to do another impeachment trial. And then they start like doing their dance again. If the if the Republicans are trying to be like, they're only doing this to stall us, you know, from, you know, from putting in a, a Supreme Court justice, and they can just really go, well, that's that's really funny of you to say that because look what you're doing. Look at the hypocrisy that you're doing, and so then it becomes this this I don't know this this cultural thing that we now have of like it feels better to stay you know it feels better to to point the blame at other people and name call name blame and just back and forth of saying like, like no I'm doing this and it's also too this 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 concept of of doing negative things for the right reasons. You know, or the ends justifying the means, I guess, is a better way of saying that. And, you know, maybe the Democrats could hold up this point of like, well, you know, this may not be something that we wanted to take. However, you are defying the democracy that we have. Therefore, this needs to be done for the sake of democracy. Yeah, you know, there's nothing more gross than hearing a kind of utilitarian argument come out from the from the voice of the Democrats. Um, you know, the other thing here, too. But I wouldn't say okay. I would push back on that. I don't think I don't think it's utilitarian. You literally just define utilitarianism by saying the ends justify the means, Josh. No, fair <laughs> enough. But what I'm more of saying that the end justify the means in the context of a democracy of the idea that the initial pitch of the GOP was that the voice of the people needs to be heard during an election year. And then that's whoever the people decide should be president because it's up in the air at that point. The president then decides sure. who. And I is mean, I, I see your point. The, the other thing, too, that I worry here is the so called nuclear option. Uh, I'm sure you've heard this uh, phrase thrown around before. And this is something that Pelosi uh, suggested as well in the same interview, interview with Andy, Anthony Scaramucci is that on October 4th, if they don't have another uh, budget hearing, this is not for Corona relief package, but if they don't have another, uh, if they don't finalize a budget hearing, then she is saying that, like, well, we could just shut down the government. <laughs> And, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, the government, you know, the government has been shut down before. This is something that has been threatened on both sides, both Republican and the and the Democrats. And to me, when I when I hear this sort of thing, I you know, this is uh, this is my cynicism uh, showing through. But when I hear Nancy Pelosi, of all people, in in a time of the pandemic and in a, in a general election year, when I hear someone like Kerr suggest that, like, well, we might just have to shut down the government, um, where millions of you know millions of people will be out of a job temporarily, a lot of services will go, um, for, will go completely hindered, you know, in order to help people, especially during relief during a coronavirus. I mean, that already happens well, now. It's, I don't... it's it's true, it's true, but so, it, services services of the government are already you know, like scales and hinders. You know, so you're what's you're not wrong, but it'll. Oh, it might be. Oh, I'm now I'm sounding like a cynic. <laughs> well, you're not wrong, but I think it'll be even more hindered. And frankly, when I hear that sort of rhetoric come from Nancy Pelosi, not that not that the GOP hasn't used that before and it hasn't uh, it hasn't, uh, you know, fucked their message up. But with Nancy Pelosi saying it when they are trying to win an election 
in threatening to shut down the government. Okay, threatening is obviously a, a you know a, a, the wrong word here, but when saying that like, well, we might have to shut down the government. To me, that just doesn't it just doesn't bode well uh, when it comes to the Democratic Party. I'm just wondering how they. I, I feel like every turn, every, in every, every everything that seems to be fucked up in this year, every decision that the Democrat seems to make just doesn't go well for them. And I'm just wondering, it's because maybe they're tone deaf or they just are not, they just don't have the winning strategy here. So I don't know what you're thinking. I just don't think, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I think, yeah, I think the, the, the thing here is that's that I would take the most amount of credit in is that like, if they end up shutting down the government, say, I wish it was like the electricity, you know, <laughs> if you lose electricity in your house for like a week, you know, you're going to call your electricity company. Like, I don't want to be charged for that week that you didn't have power. So like for me, if I don't have to pay taxes for the duration of the yeah, government, that would be being great. Closed, everybody would realize that, right? Everybody would, would be realize great? like, Oh fuck the government. <laughs> I make way more money <laughs> without but paying no. taxes. <laughs> right. <laughs> but, but not being, well, that's actually more, you know, for our listeners in all of their places, that's actually more conducive to Oregon because Oregon has an income tax where we sure. tax the amount of money we make for working, which not every place has that. Um, but still the, the, the underlying fact, the only thing I'll have to say is that there, my theory here, and again, this is just me and whatever we're doing here whatever is, is. I, I look at what the Democrats are doing. I, well, I think too, it's, it's one of those things where the, the Democrats are, they're trying to to paint this image, and I do believe that in a lot of aspects they do care. But because they have to play the game of politics, you know, because they have to navigate in the way that they have to navigate, as you said earlier, where the reason you said they should quote unquote stoop, as in like trying these different tactics, is because that is what the Republican Party has done for a long time. You know, the, you know, Republican parties are huge on the slander campaigns and anything they can do to kind of reiterate their message. And I think this is my kind of theory here. It's it's because everything is kind of filmed or documented through through the invention of the Internet. And now we have videos and, and messages of what people have said. So, like, we can look back and see a speech that a congressman has said in 19, you know, in 1990 or whatever, or we, you know, and, and we go, Oh, like, look what they said in 94. Now they're saying this, or now they're doing this. So we can almost thread the needle through the history that we have that has been documented in the digital age to understand that politics has become a bunch of fucking bullshit and not the necessary kind. And the way of simply just trying to use rhetoric and simple kind of manipulation of arguments to get people to see their point for them to progress the way that they yeah. feel to progress. Um, no, I, I think you, and think with, that, right with that, with <laughs> that. All right. I no, I'm not even going to say that. Cause you said you think I'm right. So now I'm just not going to say anything else because I feel like you're just going to be like, no, fuck you. No. But with that, with the Republican party, like a lot of people that identify in that realm, they believe, you know, and, and again, this might be utilitarian, but they believe that like, no, that's them being clever and getting like the and traditionally with the conservative upon my frame is anti-government so it's like more of like in that context or in that mind frame of being less government it's like they're doing what they can to try to get their message across and with with the democrats for so long they they have this faith that government will be able to provide these things you know that that they want to have and because there's this connection to that being the truth then they are judged more severely when they're caught 
you know, using these tactics of manipulation, not only by their own party, which that's the huge thing about Democrats. We, we hunt each other. You know, if you're a Democrat, like, and you do something like that, we're going to, we're going to bring you down just like we're going to do a Republican Republicans. They're going to bring down Democrats. And if Republican does something like, Hey, you're not a bad guy. He voted for Trump. (laughs) He meant this. So it's like, Right. So Republicans don't have the same inner scrutiny that I believe the, the Democrats do, or, or in, in more particular, the people that identify in the public as these things. And I think that's the main crux, in my opinion, of why the Democratic Party has a much difficult time than the Republican Party is because their own people that identify in that and that in those core values that they claim to identify as they're not going to let somebody within your own party also do these things. Unlike the Republican party again, anecdotal. No, I, I, th- I think you're definitely onto something there and, and tell you what, with that, I know we're um, we've been going for a little bit here. So I think it's uh, about time we close it out. Um, everyone who's listening. Thank you for bearing with us in our, in our fun little technological bumps. Uh, this has been NBS news and uh Josh, you want to tell them where uh, they can find us on the internets? <laughs> on, on the interweb? Yeah. So my favorite thing to do is, you know, we have a website, which we have put everything kind of easy on right on our homepage. There's all of the clickable links to where to find us on all the big platforms. We're talking Google podcast, Apple podcast, Spotify, all those fun stuff, as well as, you know, things about Ian and myself and all that fun stuff. So that is www.necessarybspod.com. Dot com. You can subscribe directly under the website and we're getting new subscribers every week. So we love it. So guys, I know that this NBS news is kind of untraditional. It's kind of more of more of a Ian and I kind of spliffing off of the big news, you know, of what's been happening. So thank you for bearing with us. Thank you for kind of always being here because I kind of feel like you're like our family that we never see. <laughs> yeah, except on Thanksgiving. So, so with that being said, <laughs> with that being said, everyone, <laughs> thank you for listening and watching. Uh, and we'll see you next week. Bye.